So we're in the third week of this sermon series that we're calling Your Verse. And basically what we're trying to do is to look at uh, different Bible passages that are important in the life of the person who's delivering the message. So um, in the first week of this sermon series, I shared with you a passage that is extremely important to me from the Old Testament uh, in, in the book of Proverbs where it talks about how we are to to trust in God, how we're not to lean on our, under, uh, our own understanding. And um, and when we do that, that God uh, promises to, to set our path straight. Uh, last week, uh, Chad shared a great message um, on Psalm 137, which is a difficult passage to, to talk about, um, but really did a great job of, of helping us to understand that we can be honest in our conversation with God and that that honesty helps us to, to grow in our intimate relationship uh, with God. Next week, I'm really excited that uh, Dwayne is going to be sharing one of his passages uh, in 2 Corinthians uh, where it talks about faith. And so today what I wanted to do is to share with you a passage from the New Testament. I have a lot of passages in Scripture that I love, um, but two primary passages that kind of guide me, and one is the passage from Proverbs in the Old Testament, and then there's this passage in Romans that I want to share with you today. So uh, let's read this together as we look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, as I've shared with you in the past, um, I have not always um, been close to God. There was a period of time in my life, uh, in high school and in college, where I was about as far away as I could get uh, from God. Um, And then things happened in our life where Claire and I made a decision to to try to to find our way back. I think part of that had to do with Lathan was born and Claire and I both had been raised in the church and so we felt like we wanted our children raised in the church and for whatever reason we found ourselves back trying to um, to get involved and and I went on a, a, a spiritual retreat, had a, a spiritual awakening if you will and really what is what I would call was on fire for God. I, 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 we wanted to, to, to have more spiritual experiences. We, we wanted to get as much as we could from God and to get as close as we could to God. And so I was serving every time I could. I was uh, going every time the doors were open. I was at every function that I could possibly be at. I was at every spiritual retreat that I could do. And I was doing everything that I could do to get from God. And then there was one Saturday, I found myself, the church that I was in, it was a small United Methodist church. Uh, I found myself there one Saturday morning. We were starting a food pantry ministry, and so I was there before anybody else and was getting everything set up. And I had about an hour before anybody else was going to get there. And so I was just kind of wandering through the sanctuary and, and praying over the pews. And, and, and I can remember it. Even today, I was at the back right of the church, and I was standing there, and I was praying to God, and, and I was telling God, I was having that honest conversation that, that Chad talked about. I was, I, I'm doing everything I can 
to get close to you. And I don't see a lot of change in my life. And I don't know what it was, but it was the, the, I think it was the Spirit of God that I, I sat down in that pew and I opened up the pew Bible. Something I don't really recommend you do, just randomly open it up. And I randomly opened it up to the book of Romans. And I began to read in Romans chapter 1. Now, Romans, if you've never read Romans, Romans is a deep theological book that is difficult to understand. And, 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 and I, I sat and read it and, and, and continued to read it. And it was five minutes turned into 10 minutes, turned into 15, turned into 30, turned into 45. And I finally got to Romans chapter 12. And I read Romans chapter 12. And then I stopped for some reason when I got to the first two verses of Romans chapter 12. Where it says this. Listen to it again. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I left that day and came to church the following Sunday. It was the first Sunday of the month, and if you've been in a traditional United Methodist Church, you know that on the first Sunday of the month, we celebrate communion. And so I came to to church that Sunday. We celebrated communion, and the pastor began to go through the liturgy, if you know what I'm talking about, in the, the liturgy of a traditional United Methodist Church, there's a part where the, the pastor holds up the bread and, and, and gives thanks to God and says, take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. And then he holds the cup and he, he, he gives thanks and, he, and, and, and talks about how we, we drink the, 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 from the cup in, in, in remembrance of me. And, and then it says these words, something to the effect of, and so in these mighty acts of Jesus Christ... We give thanks and we offer ourselves as living and holy sacrifices. The very same passage that I read in Romans, a living and holy sacrifice. And it was this, if God was saying to me that I I want you to do the exact opposite of what you're doing. See, the Christian life is not dependent upon what you get from God. It's dependent on what you give to God. So many times I think that we approach church that way. What can we get? What, what programs does it have to offer for my children? What, what services can I get from it? Rather than understanding that we're called to offer ourselves as living and holy sacrifices. Now, you have to understand that the first 11 chapters of Roman are all theological discussion. It's this doctrine of salvation. And then Romans 12 is this first place where we get it turned into a practical application. I'm a practical theologian, if I'm anything. And so I love the practical advice that it offers us. And the very first thing that the Bible tells us that we're to do is we're to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Your response to what God has done for you is to give yourself as a spiritual sacrifice offering. It's about worship, giving ourselves to God. John chapter 4 says that we are to to worship him in spirit and truth. In Philippians 3, it says that we are worshipers of Jesus Christ. 
First Peter chapter 2 says we are priests bringing sacrifices to God. So to view the Christian life is to view the Christian as, as we, we are priests giving offerings to God. And what are we giving? We are giving offerings that are living and holy, namely you and me. Now this language is not very familiar to us, but it's, it's priestly language. It takes us back to the Old Testament where the priests would come and put an offering on the altar. Priests were offering dead sacrifices, but we're not offering dead sacrifices. That system was gone. When Jesus died on the cross, the, the veil was torn. The, the sacrificial system has gone away. And now there's a new way of, of speaking, a new way of thinking in the New Testament. The new economy is a living sacrifice. We're to place ourselves on the altar before God. No more dead sacrifices. We are living and holy sacrifices. So Romans chapter 12 is when the switch begins to take place because for 11 chapters we have had these theological discussions of justification and salvation. But the believer, the believer steps in in Romans chapter 12 and we begin to understand what our responsibility is. So the premise of the Christian life is not what you get, it's what you get, it's what you give. And that's really the way it's always been. I mean, even if you go back and look in the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel, it says to obey is better than sacrifice. In Amos, it says, stop your songs, stop your offerings. I will not accept them because your hearts aren't right. The psalmist in Psalm 51 says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a contrite heart. The psalmist in Psalm 141 says, may my prayer be counted as incense before you. The lifting up of my hands is the evening offering. May my praise and my desire to worship you from the heart be equal to my sacrifice. And for me, there is no better place to think about offering myself to God than at the Lord's table. Every time, every time that I receive communion, I am moved. To think about offering myself as a living and holy sacrifice. Do you? Do you, do you think of this as a, as a rote activity? Just something that we do? Just a, a box that we check? I challenge you. As you approach the table this morning is to offer yourself as a living and holy sacrifice. Now, I think that when we understand that, we think about what it is that we are offering. I, I believe the scriptures are clear that we offer our, our soul, our body, our mind. All of these aspects we give to God. The first thing that I would say that we give is we give our soul, this inner being of who we are. Notice that the scripture starts and says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, or and so, brothers and sisters. And so what we end is that he's, he's clearly writing to people who have already given their souls to God. That's the foundation of the sacrifice. It all starts with the soul. But notice that Romans chapter 12 says, and so, and anytime you read and so or therefore in scripture, you know that there's 
a connection to the previous passage. There's a, there's a, it's a consequence of, of something that has already taken place. For 11 chapters, Paul begins this theological argument about salvation and the, the, and the mercies of God. And, and I'm not just talking about mercy in singular. I'm talking about this expansive list of, of the mercies of God, the things that God gives us that we don't earn and that we don't deserve. I just want you to think this morning about what it is that Paul tells us God offers us. One of the mercies that God gives us is this divine love, this, this eternal love that is granted to, to an unworthy sinner. A second mercy is the mercy of grace. You can see it over and over and over again that, that we are given something that we, we do not earn. You also see the mercy of the the gift of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit takes residence in us, that the Spirit of God secures us. We see in four different chapters where the mercy of peace is granted by God. 20 different times in 11 different chapters, the mercy of faith that God grants us this um, as part of our salvation. We, we see the, the mercy of comfort and the mercy of power, the mercy of hope. Three different times we see the mercy of patience or forbearance. Two different chapters, we see the mercy of kindness. Four different times, we see the mercy of being able to share in God's glory. Two different times, it talks about the mercy of honor. So just think about that. Over 11 different chapters, Romans, uh, Paul talks about love and grace and the Holy Spirit and peace and faith and comfort and power and hope and patience and kindness and glory and honor. All of these are mercies of God that are laid out in this marvelous text in the first chapters of, of Romans. But that's not all because it goes on to talk about righteousness. Running throughout the first 10 chapters is, is the fact that God declares us righteous, that God's righteousness is, is given to us. We see the mercy of forgiveness and we see the mercy of res- reconciliation. We see the mercy of justification, that God declares us just before God. Another mercy we see is the mercy of security. We're secured forever. If you were at the funeral yesterday for Sharon, we talked about the fact that that the presence of the Holy Spirit in Sharon's life was a was a deposit upon a, a guarantee, the, the inheritance that it comes. That, that's the security that we have that's given to us. We also see in Romans the, the mercy of freedom, the mercy of sonship or daughtership, that we are adopted children of God. All of this is this expansive list that God offers us. It's so overwhelming that Paul writes this at the end of Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. It says, oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. He just launches into this whole array of mercies. And then he says, therefore, or and so, brothers and sisters, as an act of worship, as an act of thanks, offer yourselves. So what motivates me to make my life a living sacrifice. It's the mercies of God. 
It's expansive. The psalmist in 116 asks this question, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits unto me? What shall I give the Lord? I think Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 answer that question that the psalmist posed. What shall I render to the Lord? A living and holy sacrifice. And you think, okay, so what was the reason? Why did Paul set up for 11 chapters all of this theology before he answered this one practical question? And I think it is because we understand that our, the way that we believe affects the way that we act. What you believe essentially designs your behavior. One of the things that we want to do as preachers and teachers, one of the motivations that I have is to remind you of the glory of salvation, to not forget what God has done for you, because that gratitude will affect your obedience and your sacrifice. Second, we're to offer our bodies. That's our spiritual act of worship. And we're talking about here the actual body. It says that we're to present our bodies. Again, this is, this is uh, priestly language. It's Levitical language that to, to offer ourselves, it's to surrender ourselves. To present ourselves means that we're to yield up, to offer up, to hold nothing back. I give my physical body to you. First Corinthians, Paul says, that he beats his body into submission, lest in preaching to others, I myself would be disqualified. Do we have that attitude? That we want to, to beat our bodies down so that we, that we submit to God. See, we have to recognize that in Paul's day, in the time that Romans is written, there's this philosophical dualism. They, they believe the mind and the spirit are good, but the body, the body is, is not good. The body is basically evil, and so everything that the body does is inconsequential. And Paul is saying, no, you have to present your body. We still do that today. People will come up and say, well, you know, but I'm, I'm basically a, a spiritual person. Folks, if you're a spiritual person... You offer your body to God. It was important then because of the vices that were taking place then, and it's important now because of the vices that take place now. God's saying, I, I don't just want your soul. I, I want your body given to me. Every time we hear it, we should be thinking not only our soul, but our body. The word, when it says that it's a spiritual act of worship, the word spiritual is, is the word from logikos, which is the word that we get logic. It's only logical. This is what makes sense. Because if, if you sit here today and you claim Jesus Christ as your Lord, if, if, if Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, then you've declared God as your sovereign master. And so if your master comes and says, I want your body, you, you offer yourself. It's the, it's the only thing that makes sense. Real worship Real worship is not elaborate. Real worship doesn't require us to have screens. Real worship doesn't require us to have lights go in. Real worship doesn't even require us to have air conditioning or heat. Real worship is us offering ourselves to God. And third, I think for me the most important that I learned in this process is our mind. See, the reality is you can offer yourself on the altar. But if you don't give over your mind, you're eventually going to pick yourself back up off of that altar. 
The mind is critical to what we offer God. In verse 2, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So not just our soul, not just our body, but our mind as well. So that's the challenge that we have. Is how do we renew our mind? Folks, the answer is through the word of God. We have to begin to understand the importance of the word of God in our lives. When I was in that church sitting there thinking about not having change in my life. The truth is I wasn't studying the word of God. I have people who come to me struggling in their life, trying to figure things out. I'll say, well, what, what's God telling you? What's, what's the word of God saying? Well, I, I, don't, I don't read the Bible. I don't understand it. Folks, that's why you got to look and see, okay, if you don't understand that translation, you got to read a different translation. you got to find a translation that, 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 that speaks into your life. You've got to have a, a Bible study, a small group. you got to get involved in a Sunday school class. you gotta, you got to find some way to be able to, to help understand because it's through your mind. The Word of God is able to help transform you. In Philippians, it says that we are to have the mind of Christ to Jesus. It's important that we begin to understand it makes a difference what we think and what we study. We have to look and go, you know, the Bible says that we're to to think about things that are holy and pure and, and righteous. It all makes a difference. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, there are TV shows that I probably shouldn't watch. I love how to get away with murder. Blacklist. But the truth is... We have to balance that with with what we feed into our mind. It makes a difference what movies you watch. It makes a difference what TV shows you watch. It makes a difference what what music you listen to. It makes a a difference of the people who who are putting words into your mouth. All of that, all of that affects your mind. So I invite you this morning. To offer yourself in light of the salvation of God, I invite you to offer yourself as a living and holy sacrifice. So I'm going to ask you this morning to, to bow your heads. And I just want you to think about the the mercies of God. Think about how God has loved you. Think about how God has forgiven you when you haven't done the right thing. Maybe think about how God has forgiven you when you have done the wrong thing. Think about how God has been patient with you when you mess up time and time and time again. Think about where God has showed you kindness. 
Think about where God has comforted you. Think about where you've seen the Holy Spirit work in your life and the security that that brings. Knowing that you're a child of God. Just thank him this morning. And then I want you to think about what you hold back from God. Maybe there's somebody in the room who has never made a declaration that God is Lord, that God is sovereign, that 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 God is the, the king of the universe. Maybe you're holding back your soul. But maybe not it's your soul. Maybe, maybe you have professed your faith, but you stop and you look and go, I'm, I'm holding back my, my body. Maybe you sit here today and you say, well, that, that, that's going to be inconvenient if I do that. Maybe God's asking you, to offer yourself, your body, as a living and holy sacrifice. But maybe for some, it's like it was for me that Saturday. Maybe it's your mind. You're willing to serve. You love God. But you don't want to give Him your mind. You don't want to go to the trouble of trying to figure out what the Word of God is saying. I invite you this morning, as you come forward to receive communion, to offer any of that of which you are holding back. Today, may we offer ourselves as living and holy sacrifices. Amen.